You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. Welcome, everyone, to the second episode of Screening in Kingston. Mike Shepard here. And Taylor Curry. So uh, we actually have an interesting way to start the show this week. We have fan questions. Yay! This is incredible. Uh, We have three questions to go through that we're going to answer. We're not going to spend too much time on this um, because on today's episode, we actually have quite a few movies to review. Mm -hmm. Uh, We both saw some films this weekend, and uh, I got a chance to sit down with Wendy Hewitt, who runs the screening room here in Kingston. So I have an interview to play um, with, uh, with her. So uh, let's get started with fan questions. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm glad we weren't talking into the void. Yeah, it's nice to know that people not only were listening, but they are responding to what we have to say. Like, these questions are actually pretty good, Mm -hmm. which is great. Like, it's it's nice that people who are interested in movies are actually like, oh, I want to chime in. And that's what we want. Yeah, that's the whole point. Um, If you want to send in a question, remember there are different ways you can do it. You can reach out to us on social media at Screening in Kingston. Um, our handle is screening in YGK on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can just direct message or send a tweet or whatever you want to do. Or you can email us at screeninginkingston at gmail.com. So the first question comes from Isabel, who asks, In your talk about Nicolas Cage, have either of you seen The Rock? He was amazing in that movie, and I feel like this was one of his bests. I have not, but I assume it's about Alcatraz. It is. <laughs> I have seen The Rock, um, and yes, Isabel uh, is correct. I also think it's one of Nicolas Cage's better films. He's he's not really, like, cagey, as we were talking last week. He gives, like, a more or less straight performance. More or less. Like, aside from, there is one scene. So Sean Connery's in it as well. Okay. The entire plot is Sean Connery is is a prisoner who has... I can't remember if he was held in Alcatraz and he isn't anymore. He's some high-level prisoner right. who isn't there anymore, and they basically have to get into Alcatraz because someone has broken in and um, has taken people hostage and is, is basically, like, in there, and it's hard to get in and out of that prison. Oh, so, so it's like Escape from New York, but it yeah. takes place on the rock. Yeah, and, <laughs> and basically, like, you think of it as, like, oh, there's a hostage situation, but we have to get into Alcatraz. Yeah. And we have to break into a place that we made impossible to get into. Or out of. Out of yeah, exactly. So who's Nick Cage in the movie? He plays Jack Ryan. Who? So I, th- I think, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he's Jack Ryan. And Jack Ryan is a character that there's like a million books based yeah, on. Yeah, it sounds, yeah. Yeah, there's a series that John Krasinski is doing mm-hmm. right now. Um, there's like, so many movies have this character, Jack Ryan. Yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure he plays Jack Ryan. Like, so he's a good character. guy in the movie. He's like an American FBI hero hero guy. And okay. And he has to work with Sean Connery in order to, to go into this. Sounds the fun. Room. Yeah, it is. And it, it, I remember watching it with like my, my parents. It's like a fun action movie to watch. Um, so I, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I would agree that it's one of his, his better movies. All right. Well, there you go, Isabel. It's on our list of to sees or rewatches. Or rewatching. Um, next question, uh, comes from Chris. Now I'm going to give some background into this question. Um, I said two things on the show last week that I thought to myself after we were finished, I'm going to get in trouble for saying those two things. This question has to do with one of those two things. So Chris, also through email, asks, um, why would you say you don't like musical theater? I feel like you just said this to be dramatic. Uh, (laughs) You can't run a theater company for 10 years and hate musicals, can you? 
Um, so, during my introduction of, of who I was before um, Taylor and I kind of sat down to talk about movies, um, I talked about my past history of running a, a musical theater company for young people um, and doing that for 10 years and how I, basically I said, I don't really like theater that much. Like, I prefer to go to movies, <laughs> yeah. given the choice. I think that's what I said. I don't remember. Maybe I said I hated it. I don't think I don't so. think you said you no, hated I, I it. No, I think I said I prefer movies. I don't really like musicals. Like, if I had a choice between a sporting event, even if it was on television, movies and um, theater, theater, I think, like, for me, the sporting event is one, movies is second, and theater is third. And again, Wait, that's... Wait, movie... The sports trumps movies? Yeah, and again, that's just <laughs> because, you know, I... I love movies and I love talking about them and it's like a fun right. thing to do but sports has always been with me since I was a kid like it's just a thing that you I You have I interests? Like. Yeah, I can have an interest. I can do You you have layers. Yeah, exactly. I'm not just all one thing. So, <laughs> I think um yeah, I I don't think um you necessarily have to love unconditionally something that you're working on even for a long period of time. Like I put yeah. I put a lot of time and effort and passion into to running Blue Canoe, but I came from the voice and side of someone who was like, I don't really like theater that much. So I'm going to try to create theater for that person, mm -hmm. try to make it more interesting, try to do cool things. I just personally prefer movies because I think there's a lot more you can do with yeah. a story in a movie. Yeah. But they're also both, I think both theater and movies are very legitimate forms of storytelling just in different ways. Like they're just different genres, different types, different ways to tell a story. Some things work on, in, on the stage that just don't in front mm -hmm. of the camera and vice versa. So it's fine to have preferences. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And I don't think you said you hated it. No, I don't think so. But I, again, if, if, if that's what I said, then that's not what I meant. So be uh, it. Sorry, Chris. I don't even think, I mean, I don't want to say that I don't know Chris just in case I do, but I don't think I know Chris. <laughs> well, how about just to make Chris maybe feel more confident in your theater? What's your favorite musical? Like of all time? Yeah. It... I'm, I've always been a big Stephen Sondheim fan. Okay. Um, so I love a lot of like Into the Woods and Sweeney mm -hmm. Todd and, and those types. But, but if there's one thing you can always get me to do, even if a big sporting, not like the Super Bowl, but if another big sporting right. event is on, I will drop what I'm doing to go see a Gilbert and Sullivan. Pirates okay. of Penzance, uh, HMS Pinafore. Like I've loved those classics. Mm -hmm. um, even like... Non Gilbert Sullivan, like Oklahoma and Guys and Dolls. Like, I really love the classic Broadway and kind of the golden age of Broadway, mm -hmm. um, as well as like the really earlier right. uh, things as well, the not too far from an opera type. Cool. Thing. So, I think th those would be sort of my favorite, I would say, musicals. Cool. Mine's Jesus Christ Superstar. Also a good one. But that's a rock opera. Well, yeah, it's still a musical. <laughs> Great movie. Great movie. Well, the one from the 70s, not the one from the early 2000s. No, no, no. The one from the Skip 70s. Skip it. So much yeah. yeah. <laughs> Skip it. Official, <laughs> official ruling there. Skip it. Uh, but yeah, the one from the 70s is amazing. Amazing. Okay. So our last question comes from Twitter. And this person um, wished to remain anonymous, which is fine. We don't need to know your name. Yeah. You can say, oh, I don't want my name set on air. We're trying to only do first names anyway. But yep. it's whatever you're comfortable with. Um, are you planning anything fun for the show for any holidays? Uh, lists of movies to watch, etc. Well, we didn't really, we haven't gone that far really yet. But I think it'd be cool to like do like top 10 must-see Halloween movies. Yeah. Or, you know, top 10 classic Christmas movies. Things like that. Yeah. And you guys can even tell us what you want us to comment on. Yeah. You tell us. I mean, we weren't 
I mean, we were not planning not to do that, but yeah. we weren't planning to do it either. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you tell us if you want that, we can definitely do that. I think yeah. that would be a lot of fun. I will. I love Halloween is my favorite holiday, and it's quickly approaching. Great. So yes. I'd love to rank my top ten horror f- picks. Absolutely. That sounds good. Yeah, thank you, Anonymous. Uh, we definitely will do that. And, and yeah, let, tell us, everyone out there listening, tell us as we approach different holidays what you want mm-hmm. us to talk about. Cool. Cool. So that was our fan questions. Thank you to everyone who submitted. And be sure to uh, comment and send in your uh, questions uh, for the next episode. And we'll do the same thing. We'll try to go back and read as many of them as possible. So now we're going to hear an interview as I had a chance to sit down with Wendy from the screening room. Wendy, welcome to the show. Hello, Mike. It's good to be here. So um, can you talk to us a little bit, first of all, about, about yourself and where um, where where are you from and, and where did you grow up? Maybe schooling and talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So I, I've lived in Kingston for the past 12 years. I moved here in 2006, but I'm from Victoria, BC originally. So I'm a, a West Coaster, oh. born and raised on the <laughs> island. Nice. <laughs> And um, I went, let's see, I, did, I actually did my undergraduate degree at the University of Victoria in computer science, hmm. and uh, which I think is a good, it was good, it was definitely a good education. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pleased that I chose that as my, my uh, uh, degree for a number of reasons. But, uh, but yeah, I do have a lot of people ask me if I, I studied film um, when I was a student. They're like, oh, are you a film studies student? And, and uh, I wasn't. The thing is, for me, movies were were sort of an escape from yeah. day-to-day sort of responsibilities and work. So I would, you know, work hard during the day and often in the evening. But I, I loved, you know, going to the theater at night sort mm-hmm. of as a, you know, kind of a study break and a life break. <laughs> Love going to the video store as well. Uh, but yeah, at the University of Victoria, there's a pretty wonderful um, movie theater right on campus called Cinecenta. Mm. And it's been around for decades. It's a student-run theater, but it's open, you know, seven days a week. It operates like a, you know, like a real movie theater. Wow. And they play a lot of the same types of films that, that show at the screening room. Awesome. So it'd be really convenient that you could, uh, you know, have a day of classes, yeah. work in the library, and then catch a film before you go home. That's awesome. Yeah. So what brought you to Kingston then? So uh, I came here for work. Okay. I uh, got a, a, I, after uh, studying computer science, I went to uh, library school to get my master's in, you know, library and information studies. And I was like, I will become a, you know, a web systems librarian. Oh, nice. And uh, I got a, I got a good uh, job offer right out of, uh, right out of school. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, <laughs> this is in 2006, you okay. know, before the 2008, you know, financial yes. crisis. It would have been a very different story, I think, after 2008. <laughs> But um, yeah, I got a good job here at uh, Queen's University. And so, yeah, without thinking about it too much, I was, you know, I moved here. And I didn't know anyone in Kingston. I actually didn't know anyone who lived in Ontario oh, wow. when I came out here. But I remember, actually, it was even when I was applying for the job at Queen's, I did a quick search, um, you know, of Kingston. Right. Looking, okay, right. is Kingston a, a place where I could live? You know, I didn't have a driver's license at the time, so it was important to me that the city be walkable. Right. And it was important to me that uh, that any city have like a good movie theater and mm. a good video store. Yeah. So after doing a bit of googling, I confirmed yes. You know, the, the screening room is a movie theater yep. here in Kingston. This is this is good. I can check that box. And there's classic video. Yep, I'm classic like video. good video store. Yep. Check this box. I was like, I think I could live. I could live in Kingston. So. <laughs> <laughs> the essentials. Yeah. The essentials yes. happen. Yeah. So you said, okay, I can go to Kingston. <laughs> That's awesome. So and and then talk about like so you're 
you went to school, you come here for a job, you want to be a systems librarian, yeah. you're working um, in Kingston, you'd never been here before. How did you come across owning and operating the screening room? I mean, obviously you had a love of films, but it does seem still a little random that suddenly that would happen for you. So kind of talk to us a little bit about what happened there. How did that come to be? Yeah, it is a bit random and a bit uh, fateful as mm. well as, you know, people people have commented when they've heard this story. Um, yeah, I bought So I'll say that I did buy the screening room in 2011. Uh, so I had okay. been working at Queen's at the library for five years. Five years, okay. Um, and yeah, about as I was coming up to the five-year mark, I, you know, I was doing a bit of sort of soul-searching, asking myself, you know, if I, you know, I, you know, I don't, this is my first job out of school, first, first professional job. You know, I, you know, I, I shouldn't just sort of, it is the kind of, it was the kind of job that you could, you know, have it till retirement. Uh, the kind of thing where most people, once they get a position like that, they just sort of stay in it. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, but so I thought, well, I should, rather than just sort of following the path of least resistance, I should think, well, you know what, you know, what else might I want to do with my life? What other directions should I at least consider and be yeah. open to? And I thought, well, as an exercise, if I could do anything and my sense, say if I, if I shed my sense of, you know, practicality, any sense of sort of money and how to make money, any of those sort of pragmatic concerns. And I asked myself, if I could do anything and wave a magic wand and do anything yeah. for, for work, what would it be? And my answer was, well, I'd love to, to you know, manage and program a movie theater. Yeah. And specifically movie theater that played, you know, interesting offbeat films yeah. and had a classic film you know, uh, program that played, you know, brought older films to the big screen. And I had, you know, for the, the those five years in Kingston, been doing this little underground film screening series called uh, Cameo Cinema. Mm. So it was, you know, a zero budget <laughs> type of film screening thing where it's, you know, yeah. digital projector, yeah. DVD, <laughs> you know, yeah, again, zero budget, you know, yeah. popping your own popcorn in an air popcorn machine thing, you know, 20 people sitting on folding chairs, yeah. that kind of thing. Amazing. So I thought if I could somehow take that and do that, yeah. you know, professionally, that's what I would do. So I, I, you know, I bought a notebook to kind of write down my <laughs> ideas and brainstorm, you know, what makes for a good movie theater? Step one, good notebook. Step one, who might I talk to, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to get ideas, you know, what about space, you know, what would be some good yeah. spaces? I was Googling, how do you start a movie mm, theater, mm. you know? Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Just those sort of Google searches. And I was, one day I was talking to a friend about this saying, oh, you know, I'm, you know, you know, my, uh, right now I'm back, you know, privately been kind of working on this project to see about maybe starting a new theater in Kingston. And then he said to me, oh, well, you know, the, um, the screening room is for sale. And I was like, what? For sale? <laughs> like the screening room is for sale? Like it didn't even really occur to me that like a business could be for sale. Right, right. And so, which tells you something <laughs> about how kind of relatively far removed I was yes, from, yes. you know, sort of the the world of business that, you know, people, they do in fact buy and sell businesses, you know, as turnkey operations. I was like, the screening room is for sale. When, why would anyone ever sell a movie theater? And so uh, immediately we would kind of go online and pull up the listing and saw that, you know, the owner was selling the, the, the business, you know, not the building, but the business sure. itself yeah. in terms of the equipment yeah. and the customer goodwill and the name mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, the kind of thing where once you buy the business, they give you the keys and you can just, you know, the next yeah. day just continue running yeah. it as it had been running and of course make any changes you'd like absolutely so i just you know i didn't even have to think about it there wasn't mm -hmm. even like there, there wasn't like oh am i going to do this yeah. i was like well i i have to do this because yes. this yeah. is what i have been plotting yeah. and thinking yeah. about doing so with a sense of you know grim determination i you know just you know 
proceeded with buying the screening room and, wow. and quitting my job at the library. And yeah. so I've been uh, running the theater ever since. Wow, that is an amazing story. I can't believe that here you are planning on on starting your own theater and that's what you want to do. And then suddenly just from talking to someone, oh, the screening room's available. Yeah. And then you just buy it. Like that's, yeah. that's incredible. <laughs> and so how did that like, so tell me about the first couple of days. Because to me, that's what would be fascinating. So you purchase it. And the first couple of days happen, like, are you just still in a state of shock where you're like, okay, I'm just going to run this and see what happens? Or were immediately you started going back to that notebook and, and you were like, okay, these are the changes I want to see. Like, how, how fast do those changes come for you? Yeah, well, I, I can tell you a little bit about the actual day that yeah. the sale went yeah. through. Um, for starters, the day started really early, like at 6.30 in the morning, because I guess the CBC radio, had, you know, Ontario Morning had uh, heard that, you oh, know, this young 28-year-old was buying a movie theater, <laughs> and isn't that unusual? Yes. So they wanted to interview me, like the day of the sale, early in the morning for yeah. Ontario Morning. So I had to get up early in the morning and <laughs> go on the phone and do this radio interview. I, I don't even remember what I said. I've <laughs> never done anything quite like that before. Um and then, you know, after some, you know, finalizing some paperwork and, you know, there was a fine, I don't know how much I want to go into all the details. It was a crazy day. Let's say that. Okay. But there was some question as to whether our fire inspection mm. happened, like in mm. terms of the city fire department checking on the business that got delayed until the day of the sale. Mm. And for a moment, it looked like they were going to hold up the sale saying, oh, there's actually kind of fire code deficiencies here. Yeah. And, you know, we, we can't approve for this. And anyways, that all got straightened out. It was very stressful. Oh, um, and then there was this crazy rainstorm. You know, just a huge rainstorm, just buckets of rain. And this was before the big dig mm. when sometimes if there was a lot of rain, you know, basements would flood yes, yeah. and power would yeah. get knocked out of buildings. And that's what happened at the screening room. So the power, so the basement flooded and the power um, in our building got knocked out. And um, now, so thankfully, through all this, the, the deal ultimately went through. Yeah, yeah. I got the keys. You know, I am authorized by the city to, to yeah. open up the business and yeah. play movies. But we couldn't because there was only like we only had power in half the building. Mm. So on my first night of operating the theater under my sort of own ownership, it was just me standing at the box office <laughs> explaining to people that we wouldn't be any playing any movies tonight because we didn't have the, the power we needed to run the projectors. So <laughs> what, what a terrible first day. So <laughs> that was so that wasn't great, but at the same time I was just happy that the whole thing went yeah. that the whole deal just went yeah. through. And what a that mix of I had emotions. The keys in hand. Yeah. And so I remember I had this list of things to tackle mm. kind of in the first six months. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it's, the walls are purple. It's, you know, well, of course I got to paint the theater because the colors here aren't great. And, mm. you know, we're going to, I'm going to put a marquee out front mm. and, uh, you know, we have to put a sign out front because there's no sign in yeah. front of the screening room. And yeah. I had a long list of things to do. And of course, you know, um, you know, we had to address a lot of the kind of fire, sure. you know, fire code deficiencies yeah, yeah. that consumed a lot of resources and also just, you know, figuring out how to choose movies that people actually want to see yeah. rather than just choose films that were own taste. So I was I was very busy, of course, those first you know, sure. six months, those first, you know, several years, really. But, yeah, it was funny. There's things like painting the lobby and putting a sign out on front of the building. It took another, you know, six years to get around <laughs> to those checklist items yeah, yeah. with our yeah. recent renovation. 
man. Well, especially when yeah. you're op- still operating the business d- during that time. Like, it's it's hard, I guess, to find time when people are coming through the door and seeing movies. And, yes. Yeah. yeah. And at the time, it was just me. The theater was running. It right. was me and, and one part-time staff person. So yeah. I was there, you know, five five nights a week, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, opening the theater and cooking yeah. the popcorn. and. Yeah sweeping up the cinemas wow. afterwards and wow. wiping down the toilets so <laughs> wow. yeah doing everything <laughs> yeah. literally everything yeah. so talk to us you you mentioned that you know you were still coming in saying okay i want to program movies that people actually want to see like talk to us a little bit about that process even now and maybe how it's grown of how you choose movies for the theater because i remember i went to the screen room when i was a kid so under previous ownership and it was very much a place where i saw all the kids movies when i was really young like i remember seeing the animated hercules there and some strange penguin movie that i still can't remember oh march of the penguin no it was way before march of the Penguins. Oh. it was this other one where they they have these like weird rocks that they have to go get and one of the penguins doesn't get the proper rock to give to a potential mate glowing st- yeah, yeah like, like glowing yeah yeah and this stuff. this like... awful whale attacks them at some point in time and it made it made me really afraid of whales um it was just you know it, it's just i remember that movie. it was i was so young but that to me that yeah. was the the screening room like when i was a kid that was the, that was the small theater my parents would take me to to see kids movies like movies that i really yeah. wanted to see but now i mean it's it is i mean i i go to the screening room now and and it's almost like it's grown up <laughs> with me in a way like yeah. it, it's a very different so can you talk to us a little bit about what it is you think about when choosing your the movies yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, actually mentioning that, I wonder if you were going to before it was even called the screening room. Probably. Because for a few years it was called Super Flicks and Food. Oh, that sounds and familiar. It was a, um, rather than, you know, at that time it wasn't any kind of, you know, place you'd go to see foreign films. Mm. It was a, a second run discount, you right. know, mainstream movie theater mm. that was, yeah, very much catering to yeah. families. And it was just playing whatever the big box office hits were, second right. run for right. really, yeah, really cheap prices. And there was like, um, I think you get like submarine sandwiches there as well. Oh, really? Short lived. I, I I think the only that only happened for a while, but it was ahead of its time. It was the idea is you would see a cheap movie, but you would be able to buy lunch and oh, I see. you'd okay. buy a lot of food while you're there as well. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, then it was in the early two thousands when the other art house theater in town, the Princess Court Cinema, closed down. Okay. That the screening room kind of got a new name. It got a new paint job the, okay. the purple the walls purple were walls. actually a, a tasteful upgrade <laughs> to what was there before okay. and um and it took over the the, the art house specialty theater you okay. know foreign film yeah. independent film documentary yeah. film niche okay. and uh when i yeah then when i took over the theater it was you no know, i was interested in running that type of movie sure. theater that was sure. playing movies that you wouldn't necessarily see at the multiplex mm-hmm. um although of course the theater before that didn't play any classic films right. um they didn't really do any one night only event cinema they were you know only really did i think probably one or two venue rentals a year mm. so i um yeah sort of one of my projects when i took over was making the theater much more available to sort of one night only events yeah. and playing films that otherwise would not definitely not play at all <laughs> yes, yeah. in kingston <laughs> trying yeah with a definitely commitment to seeing like how trying to play as many titles as possible a month um, to offer a little something for everyone, you know, serving, really serving all kinds of different interest groups and, mm. and niches. Um, and, and yeah, it's one of the nice things about having a, a small theater where we have, th- you know, originally had two screens and we have three screens to work with. Um, and, and all the theaters are, you know, fairly small. They're not huge auditoriums. Mm. Um, it is neat that, you know, there can be a movie and as long as there's maybe, you know, I know that there's at least, you know, maybe, 
150 or 200 people total in Kingston that will come out to watch this film over the course of its theatrical run that that's you know that's good enough it's like yeah. okay there's a few hundred people in town that want to see this film we can program it it will yeah. you know it'll be worth it to show and mm. have screen time for it um whereas you know at the multiplexes you know, their criteria their threshold is a little bit different like Absolutely. they you know movie has to be able to make Absolutely. you know thousand you know several thousand dollars yeah. for it to be worth their while yeah and even it seems now a days uh, how long they run um, is also very much determined on that, is, is how many people do we think are going to see this? So that you end up getting limited screenings for some of the smaller movies that they do bring, especially during Oscar season. You can go to Cine Cineplex and see a couple independent movies, but their run schedules are so tight and small and short, and they're here for a week or maybe, and that's it. And they they have a couple showings, and that's it. So, you know, it's it, they yeah their criteria is obviously very different. They want to make sure they make money on X, Y, and Z or whatever it needs to. And sometimes that has to from the way I understand it with the film itself and how much they can afford to go to theaters across. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk to us a little bit? I mean, obviously go into as much detail as you're kind of comfortable with, but talk to us about that process of, of once you decide, okay, these are the movies I want. How do you then, I don't know if it's purchasing the rights to do it or how do you, how do you get your hands on, on those films? Like, is, is it a simple process? Is to general calls go out to all the theaters <laughs> of here, this movie's coming up. Are you interested? Like, how does, how does that kind of work? Yeah. So we, we get our films from, um, you know, uh, theatrical distribution sure. companies here in Canada. So there's, I'd say, a Maybe about eight distributors that we work with quite regularly, okay. but maybe in total about twenty distributors mm. ranging from large and small, all based in Canada that that yeah. provide us with the films that we play. So that could be everything from you know Mongrel Media to E1 to Elevation Films yeah. to you know Sony Canada, Warner <laughs> Brothers Canada, yeah. you know the yeah. Canadian, yeah. Um, you know little little Canadian distribution companies sure. that are set up to distribute big sure. Hollywood films, yeah. and. Um, and so, yeah, we just have, you know, relationships with all these distributors and we can, and it's, you know, it's interesting in terms of what we can play or we're allowed to play. If, if something's in sort of theatrical release, distributors will let us play pretty much anything, but with one, you know, big massive exception, which is that the multiplexes in town get first dibs on movies. So if the mm. Cineplex or the Landmark wants to play a film, um, you know, they, they, you know, the distributor will work with them to make sure that it plays at the Cineplex yeah. or Landmark yeah. first. And then when the multiplex is done playing the film, sure. we can we can play it the, like the following day. Okay. Like it closes on Thursday. We start playing it Friday. And so um, uh, but beyond that, we have we have quite a bit of um, freedom over what we play. And right. um, we pay and in terms of the sort of financial arrangement, we pay a, a percentage of every ticket sold right. back to the distribution gotcha. company. But there is a sort of minimum. There's sort of like a, a minimum fee that you're that that you have to pay. So sure. you want to make sure you make back your yeah. your minimum. So yeah. I mean, the thing is, if we do book a film and only you know, 30 people come to yeah. watch it, then it's, you know, we're just stuck paying a fairly large sort of minimum yeah. fee and it, it, yeah. we take, we take definitely making, taking a loss on it. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit then about, about where we are now with the screening room, because anyone who, who's been there in the past year or so will notice you've done quite a bit of renovations. Things have started to, I would say, expand. I mean, you have three um, different screening rooms now within the screening room. Um, and you also, I mean, I know you've gone fully digital with your with your movies and, and how you play them. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? First of all, that changeover to digital, but also 
those renovations that have happened? Is that mm -hmm. was that all just part of this checklist that we're now seeing executed, or was there a moment where you thought we could expand to another screen <laughs> and this could work? Like, I kind of talk about those things. Yeah, I guess first to address change, uh, switching from you know thirty five millimeter celluloid mm -hmm. analog film to <laughs> to to digital. Um, we did that in. 2013? Hmm. I, I can't believe I can never keep straight the year, whether it's <laughs> yeah, 2013 yeah. or 2014. Um, uh, but yeah, that was sort of a big profound switch. It was one that a lot of independent cinemas were not happy about, mm. you know, heavily invested in the old way of doing things. And right. the upfront cost of the digital projection equipment is, is considerable. Um, I, I, on the other hand, I was, I was looking forward to it because yeah. I'm more of a digital, you know, yeah. computer science background, Absolutely. digital paradigm kind of person. Absolutely. And it was the, you know, the analog celluloid film equipment that was a bit alien to me. So I was happy to switch to digital and it really, it really opened up our programming um, because rather than having to get you know, in order to play a movie before, we'd have to get, you know, an actual physical copy of the 35 millimeter film print. And for a lot of the smaller art house films, there would only be one or two copies of the movie in circulation in all of Canada. So that meant that if the movie is playing in Winnipeg, it's not playing anywhere else. Right. So and Kingston would be towards the, the end of the line. Hmm. Um, so it would take sometimes it would just take months and months right. to get a film. Um after its original Toronto, Vancouver, Canadian release. Whereas when you're playing movies, movies digitally, we're, we're shipped a hard drive in the mail. And, um, and uh, you know, it's easier. That hard drive, there is a little bit of an upfront cost for the you know distributors to make these hard drives, but it's, it's not that great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. easy to have lots of hard drives in circulation. So um, we're able to get movies a lot closer to their Toronto release date. Mm -hmm. Although I will say it is still the case that often for um, limited release films, the distributors really do want to pace. Sure. They really want to kind of pace the the release of the film across uh, Canada. They don't want their movie opening in Toronto and every city on the same day. Right. They want to open in Toronto and then the larger markets and the smaller markets yeah. with this idea that, you know, the bigger city press and yeah. word of mouth, word of mouth yeah. will have time to circulate so that, yeah, if movie is good, they're able to benefit from a word of mouth effect yeah. rather yeah. than having the film come and go in yeah. the course of two weeks. Um, it's very, yeah, it's a very different um, distribution strategy than what you see for, um, you know, big, you know, Hollywood releases where, you know, they're making most of their money in the first week. For the movies that we play at the screening room, they really are ones that benefit from word of mouth and often mm. they have a very long tail. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so when we switched to digital, we were just able to play, uh, we were able to play many more films. It was much easier to bring films back for encores. Right. They were popular. Just so much more flexibility in, ter and in terms of what we could play and when we could play it and for how long we could play it. Now, when we renovated, we went from, you know, two theaters to three. Mm -hmm. um, our largest theater is larger than before. I mean, <laughs> we have, you can see uh, the Cameo Theater, mm -hmm. which was named for the little underground film screening series oh, i did before, yeah that's awesome before the screening room <laughs> it can seat 114 people okay, yeah. whereas before we were limited to 86 exactly. people in our largest theater um so we have so it's nice having a larger theater mm -hmm. three theaters to work with um so that so what that means is we can play well we play more movies yep. we um if a movie is a hit we can really kind of stretch out its run a bit longer because mm -hmm. we just have more time slots to work with so say, take the film Three Identical Strangers, yeah. the documentary about these three triplets separated at birth. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've played it for, it's a total theatrical run. It's going to be about 10 weeks. <laughs> it's approaching the end of its run, but it will yeah. be about a 10-week run, which wow. is 
pretty nuts. But when you have three screens yeah. and maybe you're only playing it, you know, sometimes only five or six times a week towards the end of its run, it's easy to just keep it on offer, yeah. but, but, you know, not dedicate a lot of screen time to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, so I mean, right now I'd say it's typical, like on a typical week when it looks, when you look at the number of, of different titles we're playing, we typically have um, between eight and 12 different movies showing, okay. Wow, which is yeah. pretty competitive, which is comparable to Absolutely the number of titles yeah. you see at the Landmark and the Cineplex. Absolutely. And, and you still have streams. time for those special events. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I mean, we've got, we've got two film festivals in the city, but we, there's also all these one-off events. You play classic film nights, like the flexibility must be great to have because mm-hmm. you can do all of these things without ever it affecting really the run of your movies. Like if you were able to play a movie for 10 weeks, that's great. Like that's, yeah. that's incredible. I, I don't remember a time before where the screening room really had that. Was that the first, one of the first times you sort of did that with Three Identical Strangers? Or now that you, like, have you, have you done that before when you had two screenings where you just kept something running for a while because of volume? Or... In the celluloid days, if we had, you know, when it would come to maybe our biggest hit of the year, hmm. biggest hit of the year maybe would play for a maximum of six or seven okay. weeks. And yeah. often there'd be a point where maybe you'd have to... You know, if it's tapering off, you have to send the film print off to the yeah, next theater. Right. And plus, in terms of the platters, you could only really have so many movies playing on one screen right. at the same time. Right. Whereas sometimes we'll have like four different movies playing one theater yeah. over the course of a week. Yeah. Um, but then after we switched to digital, before the renovation, yeah, normally a movie wouldn't run for 10 weeks. But there were some like um, Moonlight and Birdman. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. both played for well over two months. Right. But, you know, yeah. the, their Oscar campaigns yeah. really extended their yeah. theatrical life yeah absolutely so we're gonna we're gonna end the interview with three questions that i'm gonna ask every single person that i bring on for the first time right. uh, and i didn't warn you about this before because i want <laughs> just your your answer from from just hearing the question <laughs> so uh the first question is what is your favorite movie oh <laughs> <laughs> you know i get asked i get asked this question a lot and you would think that just in terms of being somebody who who runs a movie theater Mm -hmm. that I would have like a good off the top of my head answer to provide uh I should I should have a good answer but the thing is I don't it's not like I really identify as having a a favorite Mm -hmm. movie Mm -hmm. and it's always changing I'm a big believer that how much you enjoy a movie um really depends on what's sort of going on in your life and your psyche and just the the mood that you watch it I mean you can have a marvel you know like I think of the film Vertigo, mm-hmm. uh, the Hitchcock film, which is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've watched it at different points in my life, and and there's been points where I've watched it, and I, it has been a completely transcendent <laughs> encounter with art type of experience that just sort of changes my my mental <laughs> landscape for days. I've I've had that experience when watching it, and I've also had the experience of just being like, oh, like a little. <laughs> watching a few years later and be not underwhelmed, like still impressed with the film, but not feeling some kind of profound personal simpatico relationship with the movie, you know, so it all depends. And um, I would say though, the, a film that I've seen a few times and I was really moved by when I watched it most recently was the film Topsy Turvy, Mm. a British film about, that came out um, maybe about 15 years ago. And it's about, um, uh, the, uh, Gilbert and Sullivan <laughs> composing, you know, composing and staging the the operetta, the Mikado, yes. for the first time, <laughs> and it is. I mean, even if you have no interest in like British light opera, yeah, yeah. just enter it. You know, Mike Mike Lee, the, the director of the film, is one of my absolute favorites. He, he mm. can do no wrong in my books. But the, the movie, it's 
in terms of just like people kind of putting on a project, uh, a big doing committee, you know, doing this big project, but sort of the artistic process, mm -hmm. the process of just sort of creating and making something, and also sometimes the the the, the suffering and and kind of disappointment. Of yeah, it. yeah, that comes. Yeah. It's all in the film, but it's beautiful, and it's yeah. yeah I was when I watched it. Um, I watched it sort of in the middle of the the renovation mm -hmm. project, and it was you know. By the end of it, I was just so moved. I was just like, "This is this is the greatest movie ever made." Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's I know that. I mean, that's what a movie should do, right? Like, it's it's something like, like you say. You don't have to necessarily have one favorite, but if you have a sort of here's the set of movies I really like, and yeah. this is why. So my next question is: Have you ever walked out of a movie or stopped watching it because you didn't like it? Oh yeah, yeah, I have, and. Um, uh, I don't feel I don't feel too bad about like abandoning a movie mm. partway through if I don't like it and um, and it's tricky particularly you know there, I, I have to confess some of the films that we play at the screening room I'm not a <laughs> personal fan of but I would not actually give a personal recommendation to it would be but you know the movie I think well there's you know you know there's you know to every every movie it's viewer yeah you know with any movie we play there's gonna yeah. be at least a few people who will of like course. it and yeah. want to give people that opportunity yeah so uh but yeah there's been times where i've you know started watching movies at the screening room and i'm like yeah i'm not feeling this and i just get up and <laughs> yeah. walk out yeah. um the thing that's awkward though is that if it is a public screening and i i kind of know and recognize people in the audience as regular customers and maybe they've seen me enter the theater yeah. and they're aware that i'm yeah. in the theater yeah. i feel like it looks bad for me to get up and walk out of the film so there was this movie uh that came out maybe about two years ago called high high rise hmm. and um it had uh tom hiddleston in it sort of british film it's from a director who's kind of really you know i liked his, his previous films you know it, it's just sort of this kind of intelligent you know well intending to be kind of intelligent dystopian stylish movie but it just it really got on my nerves mm. i just found it just there's just something about the movie i just found so obnoxious it felt like it was just a series of montages punctuated by mm. scenes and i just i was just like i just was watching this movie finding re more and more reasons to hate it as it went on and i really wanted to get up and leave mm. but there were a number of people in the audience who recognized as regulars and i just i was just paralyzed i'm like oh i can't yeah yeah i can't have people see me <laughs> yeah. i sold them i actually sold i literally sold them the tickets to this movie and yeah. i just like you can't walk out and yeah. leave and be like yeah this isn't worth it this isn't worth my time <laughs> it would look bad so i actually that's when i okay. didn't walk out if yeah. i stuck out to the end but i but i would have i would have yeah. walked out <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. that yeah, that would that would be an awkward situation. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my last question for you is, and and for everyone kind of listening, um, we've talked about you coming on as a regular contributor to this show and being part of what we want to do here. So my last question is, what just your personal vision for what you want screening in Kingston to be? What do you want this show to be moving forward? And what's kind of your your personal vision or thoughts on on what you'd like to see happen with it? Let's see. That's a good question. Um. It's funny. It's like, I feel like, well, this is self-evident. I mean, <laughs> you have, you know, here in Kingston, uh, you know, it's a relatively small city. You know, mm -hmm. we've got uh, 
you know, of course, a nice movie theater downtown, the screening room, playing a variety of films. We have a wonderful, you know, uh, community campus radio station. The idea that, yeah, every every week there'll be kind of an hour long discussion about movies in general, but mm. specifically what, you know, what movies can you go and buy a ticket to see in, in, in Kingston this week? people talking about the films and i know you're committed to doing it in a spoiler free way yes, yeah um yeah that people can tune in and they can hear people talking about movies that maybe they've seen themselves at the cinema mm-hmm. or that they have a chance to see and you know i mean through social media but also just the people phoning in there's a way for people to Absolutely. kind of share their opinions and you know you know movie one of the great things about movies is that they do and watching movies is that it invites you the viewer to have an opinion yeah and uh you know all opinion, as long as you can kind of articulate what, what mm. you like and you don't like. I mean, all opinions can be interesting and, uh, and and fun to hear. I mean, often even if you don't like a movie, it's it's kind of fun to kind of pick apart why or why it fell short. And then, of course, if you're enthusiastic about film, that's great to share as well. So I, I think it's, you know, I've been thinking for years that it would be really great if there was really neat if there is like a kind of local movie discussion yeah. program yeah. And, and I'm glad that it's, it's finally getting off the ground. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I look forward to kind of having you on um, regularly because I do think that that perspective is interesting, especially remembering that you're, you're someone who's, even though you're programming the theater, you have your own tastes and thoughts. And I think it's very interesting <laughs> to hear that, that you don't necessarily like every single movie that comes through that door, um, which I, I think is great. Like that's, that's excellent because that, I mean, again, that just proves, you, even though you're you're programming the movie theater, you're like everybody else. You're a fan, and there are things you're going to like. There are things you're not going to like. And I think having your kind of perspective on it will be will be fantastic. We're going to start off. Uh, Taylor, tell us uh, one of the movies you saw. So I saw Juliet Naked, which has been described as rom coms as they should be in 2018. Oh, that's kind of been one of the the general consensus that okay. <laughs> it's like I guess like a grown up rom com for the ages. <laughs> Um, I would say it's definitely kind of a your run of the mill rom com. Okay. You know, two people get thrown together under weird circumstances, mm-hmm. and then they develop a relationship. Mm-hmm. I thought it was um, cute, like it was enjoyable, and mm-hmm. I, I saw it with some girlfriends, and we enjoyed it. And the general consensus was that you know this is a movie to watch with your girlfriends, like on in, on an afternoon, or go see it with your mom. Um, but it wasn't like the best movie of 2018 okay what separated it for you between like this is a cute movie to this is amazing this is so much fun like what kind of made that separation for you what was lacking i think um, with a rom-com it really relies on a lot of chemistry between the leads and um like seeing them interact Mm -hmm. together but this was done they fall in love like over a series of emails so they don't actually have screen time together until maybe like the third act of the movie interesting when you go see a rom-com like you kind of want not like fluff but you know you kind of <laughs> want you're you're going for the romance right and this kind of starts under the premise that they're like strangers to friends to lovers but all of that kind of progresses over email and you don't so like you see them crafting the emails and you kind of see like their lives separately but it's only at the end of the movie where they like, come together interesting yeah. And you find you sort of lose something because of that I think choice. so. I, I, I think so, at least. Like, I was, like, maybe less invested mm. in them as a couple or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. 
I thought there was a big age difference, and I'm kind of sick of seeing movies where, like, older men get together with, like, younger women. And is that, I mean, not to give too much away, but is that Ethan Hawke's characters? Yeah, guy? Ethan Hawke is, like, in his 50s. Okay. He's a washed-up indie musician. <laughs> and then the love interest is Rose, I forget her last name. Burn. Burn. Rose, Rose Burn. Yeah. And she says that she she makes an offhanded comment in the movie saying that, like, she's pushing 40. So there's at least a decade between them. She's still playing someone who's like, okay. Yeah, like, she's not playing, like, a 20-year-old. Yeah. Okay. And not that, like, there can't be, you know, you can have, like, a decade. But I would also would like to see someone, like, equally matched in age. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it is, I mean, that's, you know, to each his own. But we're talking, you know. She's in her late 30s, and he's kind of maybe mid-50s. Yeah. That could be like a 20-year difference yeah. in there. So, and he yeah. looks old, mm -hmm. and she looks young. She does look good, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. And even someone like makes a – someone one of the characters like makes a joke about her hanging out with like an older man. That could be her father. Like that joke uh, is even okay. made in the movie. So they're kind of playing into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I guess. I guess they're subverting or playing around with those. Yeah. But um, I – wouldn't necessarily see it in theaters. Like, I think okay. it's definitely, like, a streaming movie. Or, you know what? An airplane movie. It would make a really good movie to watch oh, on an airplane. We should add that to our rating system. <laughs> airplane. Airplane. <laughs> so, okay. But, I mean, you. so the romantic comedy, like, how was the comedy side of that? Like, did you laugh? Was it, was it a lot of comedy? Was it? People were laughing mm -hmm. in the theater. Like, I wasn't, like, belly laughing or, like, holding my gut. Sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess... Um, yeah, like I, I, it's a, a Jed Ap Apatow produced it. Oh, really? So, um, it is like, it, it should be a comedy. Mm. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he produced it and he's actually worked with both Rose and the Scottish actor before who plays her first. Chris O'Dowd, I yeah. think is, the, yeah, the other one. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like a, okay. you know, they like have a working yeah. relationship. Yeah. Um, Surprised so, to see Ethan Hawke in a yeah. Judd Apatow movie, though. Yeah. A little bit. But people were laughing in the theater. Whether okay. or not, like, I was belly aching, probably not. Not that I recall. Mm -hmm. Like I said, to me, it was kind of, it was cute, yeah. but it was kind of like a throwaway movie for okay. me. But I could definitely see some people really enjoying it. Okay. So all in all, what what would you sort of recommend for, for people? If, like, a bunch of girlfriends want to get together and just have, like, a cutesy afternoon, mm -hmm. go see it. Cool. Or see it on an airplane. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. There you go. So that's uh, uh, Juliet Naked yes. uh, playing at the screening room now. We will, again, on social media, send out all the showtime so you can mm -hmm. check it out. And maybe uh, send us your thoughts. Tell us what you thought about it, and we can respond. Mm -hmm. um, okay, let's talk about Mamma Mia 2. Yes. So we both saw this. Here we go again uh, is the <laughs> title of that movie. What an interesting title. Um, so Mamma Mia 2, uh, first thoughts. Do you, want, do you want to go first? Do you want to talk about it? I had a smile on my face from, like, opening credits to end credits. Okay, all right. So I really enjoyed myself. Whether or not this is an Oscar award winning movie, that is for the jury to decide. But I had a ton of fun watching it. And I everyone in the audience really had a lot of fun too. Because hmm. everyone would like cheer when certain songs came on. <laughs> so that's how I feel. Like I really enjoyed myself. Hmm. And are you like an ABBA fan for the most part? Isn't everyone an ABBA fan? If you're not an ABBA fan, I'm... There's something missing Here, in you. Here's the thing about me, and this is this will be another thing that eventually I'm sure Chris will email me about later. Um, but How like, could you hate ABBA? Yeah, I, no, I don't hate ABBA. I'm just not a big fan of music to be oh. to in general. Like I 
don't generally listen to music and I don't okay. often go to concerts. And there are some songs I like. I don't really like bands or artists. I like particular songs. Fair. ABBA has some great music mm-hmm. in it. Like I'm not I'm not saying I have any problem with, with ABBA. Um, I am a fan of the Mamma Mia musical. Like yeah. the, the first one and then them making it into a movie was kind of interesting. Um, I mean, I will say... From that standpoint, I thought they did make some improvements from the first Mamma Mia to the like second one. Like making, not letting Pierce Brosnan have like, a solo. <laughs> that is, that is honestly, you took the words right out of my mouth. That is exactly Yeah, to like whisper sing this time he, and that was it. <laughs> the, if there's one thing that annoys me about movie musicals is when you have access to everyone on the planet. Yeah. Like everyone. Yeah. Everyone on the planet. Like if, if, if I was a producer of Mamma Mia 2, I, it, I'm not even, this isn't a joke. I'm not over-exaggerating. You have access to everyone on the planet, and you choose Pierce Brosnan. What do you, like, what? Why? Why? I know. It's kind of like when Russell Crowe was in Les Mis. Why? Like, they're not like, known for their singing. You, you, you can go get anyone you want. And, you know, I mean, not to make too much fun of Ryan Gosling two episodes in a row, but Ryan Gosling in La La Land. Why? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Like they, these people can't sing, and even just because you taught them for a year doesn't mean they can suddenly sing. But I heard just to go back to La La Land, someone told me that they purposely chose them because okay. they no, wanted an I, amateur vibe. I cry foul on that. I cry foul because I heard that too. But guess when I heard it? After reviews started coming mm. out, as people going, "Oh no, 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 this was the." And I'm not defending time. them because no. I didn't like La La no, Land, and, and like that's, <laughs> I thought I, they should hire again, singers. To me, and I've had this, I've had this discussion. So often, to me, when you're doing a musical, that's like saying, oh, well, I want to do a horror movie, but we're not going to make it scary. Yeah, I know. It's What's stupid. the point? Why? Why? Why don't you just make a movie then? Why do you have to call it a horror I'd movie? I'd rather watch, for me, when I'm watching a musical on screen, I'd rather watch Unknowns. Hmm. If they can, yeah, if they you can know, sing. if they can sing. Because, like, I'm I not, a musical is about yeah, the singing. Yeah. And that's what I will say about Mamma Mia 2. I enjoyed the singing. Yeah. It was, it was a step up from the mm-hmm. first one. They made singers sing songs. They did a great job with yeah. that. I'm so, so on the movie because I thought there were a lot of things they did that they were pretty lazy with because I feel oh, like yeah. they know what they have. They know who their audience is. They know that people in the theater, mm-hmm. like you're saying, are going to cheer and excite. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know lots of people who, who would love and did love this movie. Yeah. I'm so, so on it because I want to see more. Like, I don't want to see. You don't want to, like, give them a break. Yeah, no, I don't I don't want to see lazy writing. And I yeah. don't want to see lazy characters. And I could get into more detail, but we just don't have the time. But, you know, that's where I felt. I felt there was a few character moments where they were forcing this younger version of Meryl Streep's character played by Lily James who did a great job she's she great. was amazing she's phenomenal she's a she phenomenal actor good. great singer mm-hmm. there was a few lines and moments where they were like well we're gonna show she's independent and strong and you don't have to force that she we just already is. know we yeah know we know that from the previous movie mm-hmm. we know that because Lily James is an amazing actor and can do that Meryl Streep is a god so we know those things you don't have to Force. I mean, there's one I'm trying to, and I'm trying to remember because I might be, I might be wrong on this, but I believe there was a moment because it was also in the trailer where he find one guy finds a dress for her and it's like, oh, wouldn't you yeah. look great in this? And she goes, comes out in the overalls, being like, you don't know me at all. Two things: one, yes, he just met you, so of course he doesn't know you, <laughs> and two, I'm pretty sure you were in a skirt earlier. And for most of the rest of the movie. Yeah, pretty sure. Like, you don't, like, <laughs> of course, like, I'd be confused, too, because, like, I, you know, going off of your you own choices. You overalls yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, you weren't wearing it before, but suddenly, because Meryl Streep was wearing it, it's like, it's like the whole origin movie problem where it's like, 
let's find out how this person got their hat. Yes. Well, that's yes. We don't care. <laughs> I think my big like I agree with you. Like it's not like a like a stellar movie. Like yeah. for me, it was just like a lot of fun yeah, to it watch. Is fun. It's a lot of fun. My biggest issue was that I think it went on too long. Mm. I think it could have ended with like the share number not to like give anything away but like have one shares more shares in it there yeah, you go, there you go. Angie's releasing an album this week of only ABBA covers if you love Cher and ABBA um, <laughs> so I thought it could have cut off sooner I didn't need the whole like tug at my heartstrings mm. final scene and I also thought they should have just treated it maybe as a straight prequel like an origin movie yeah. I didn't like it going Back and forth. I didn't need that. I kind of like the back and forth personally, but again, that was just because I I thought it was interesting to kind of go back and forth. Again, I yeah, any I could use less scenes with Pierce Brosnan and stuff in it. Like that's fine, but I guess I just wanted my ABBA directly. Gotcha. I didn't need the. You were you were fine with straight up origin new ABBA songs that we didn't see in the first one. Well, not new, but ABBA songs we didn't see in the first one. You would have been happy with that. Yeah. And and again, like I. I have my problems with the movie, but I will say kind of the same thing. If you love ABBA, if you liked the first Mamma Mia movie, you're going to love this movie. Like, it plays into all of those things. It gives a lot there. It's, like, to me, I would say, like, stream it if you're interested Mm -hmm. in it. But if you do want that theater experience, the same sort of thing happened in, in, you know, when I saw it is people are singing along and they're laughing. Mm -hmm. And if if you like that, go for it. Yes. You know, it's a sing along version would be great someone will somewhere has i'm sure done that <laughs> it's, it's on me, yeah. so there you go so that's our review for for mommy so i'm saying kind of like stream it maybe go see it you know I'm, I'm not saying it's bad enough to skip it but and kind of where are you on that i say go see it but know what know yeah, what you're getting know, know what it is yeah cool so that's Mamma Mia 2. Uh, the last film was uh, the movie I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week we decided to each see a movie separately and then each go see the same movie and kind of talk about uh, our thoughts on that. So I saw Searching, um, which is a, a movie that um, has been getting a lot of actually buzz uh, throughout North America just because of of the concept that this movie is so without giving too much away this movie is essentially a missing persons yeah. mystery but it takes place 100 percent of the time on screens so it's on like it it's on a computer screen mm-hmm. or it's on your phone and it's people so people are communicating through facetime right or um communicating through whatever the other apps are called where you just call yeah. someone and you can see them um they're communicating on messenger or facebook right um skype skype those types of things like that's how you see people watch youtube videos on uh, news updates that's how you see the entire movie unfold yeah the entire everything and it never didn't make sense and it never got old and it was very really cool. yeah like everything they did with it was believable it didn't feel gimmicky not really there were two moments where afterwards they were like well that was like that's a little far-fetched that they had yeah. to go a little bit far to get a camera in the space they wanted to see something but even with that being said it was still very well done like i i will say the cinematography the editing and the direction is probably one of the best i've seen all year no like in kidding. my top five for sure yeah it was so well executed I guess my only reservation is that I don't like when movies rely so heavily on like current technology because yeah. it's going to feel dated in a couple of years. And I think that 
going into it, that was sort of my first thought is any movie that really relies on any gimmick at all. Yeah, like Facebook. Yeah, like this is the Facebook movie. Or I don't know if you you saw or heard of Hardcore Henry, which was the first person no. movie. So the entire movie is first person, mm. like like a video game or, or that type of thing. It, it, I, this movie has so much more to it than okay. that. That's the thing is the plot's very good. The story's good. The acting performances are phenomenal. Um, I Everybody like was so strong in the movie and it was so interesting and it felt – felt very real. And I do think it's the type of movie that people will look back on and look at the technology and be like, oh, look how people had to communicate back then. Because it's only going to expand. Right. But it was still so You don't think the technology will be like a deterrent. If anything, it's going to be more interesting. I like think watching it in like 10 years. If you want to know right now, if you want an accurate and very clear and realistic look at what technology is for teenagers right now go watch this movie because it not only doesn't criminalize social media which happens all the time yeah it shows it as just no these are just the tools for how people right. operate it's it's yeah. the same as as nowadays you know you you have certain technologies in your home that you never have you have computers mm -hmm. and you have um indoor plumbing which was you know not a thing at one point in time like it it, it really shows it in a non- demeaning way which often happens especially this day and age it's just kind of matter of fact like this is this is technology this your is daughter goes missing and this is how we're gonna find your daughter her. goes missing and uh these are ways that you can you know get to know because i mean again i don't want to give too much away but the premise is the daughter goes missing mm -hmm. and, and the father you know reports it and has to figure out what's going on well the first thing that the investigating officer asks him to do is like who are your daughter's friends what do they what, how do who does she hang out with how does she spend her time where are you going to look for that facebook right social media uh there's different little uh video social media platforms where you can upload videos and stuff mm -hmm. and it's all through that that you kind of see okay these so yeah all in all i think it's a fantastic movie very well done amazing acting performances i highly recommend going to see it like wow. i say see it see it in theaters for sure you want the reactions from the crowd and you want the like feeling and it's very tense are there twists oh there's it's a i can't say anything twists more about plenty the, oh so many twists and good twists and good. exciting twists and they do a lot of really cool things in the movie thoroughly entertained definitely go see right. searching got highly it. recommend it got it cool so that's our uh that's our movie review sections we got three very very different movies yeah playing the screen room right now got a rom-com musical and a thriller you would and say that the last one was a thriller i would say it's a thriller it's not a horror movie because it doesn't have the same sort of horror movie jump scares or we're here to scare you it's it's a thriller and can be very suspenseful in like the same a mystery way. yeah yeah mystery thriller where you're you're definitely your heart's pounding you're worried about what's going to happen. Right. You're kind of on the edge of your seat. You're just um, invested. <laughs> you're just invested. You're invested in the characters. Yeah. yeah okay, cool. Cool. So that's our uh, that's our movie reviews. And uh, we're now going to kind of move on to a segment that is backed by popular demand <laughs> to, to end the show today. Not a great plan. Okay. Uh, Taylor, go ahead. Let's see what the first headline is. All right. Joker, Harley Quinn, spinoff writers – Say the film will be a cross between Bad Santa and This Is Us. Not a great plan. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to unpack. So, yeah, I mean, This Is Us and Bad Santa could not be more different. Um, I saw another headline saying that they want Dr. Phil to be in the movie. 
Okay, so for everyone who's <laughs> listening, this is what we, we've got here. So we've got a Harley Quinn um, and Joker movie. So Harley Quinn and being... They're, they're crowd favorites. Yes, crowd favorites. I mean, Harley Quinn was in Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie played her. Um, Harley Quinn's been around since the Batman TV series is like kind of the the kind of like girlfriend love interest of the Joker, but they have like a really sadistically strange relationship. It's not a healthy one. No, and I the bad Santa thing. I mean, I I could get that because tonally it's it's about a loudmouth idiot. Um, But this is us. Yeah, like they want it to be emotionally like an emotional roller coaster. Is that? I guess. I mean, (laughs) I haven't seen either. I think it's going to be crazy whatever they end up doing if it's like bad Santa. Yeah, I don't even I don't really even have words. This is us also don't have words for that. Like kind of sappy, right? Yeah, I mean it's a it's all it's very emotional. Um and it people die, like crowd favorites die. Yeah, it's one of those like it's one of those TV shows where no one like you can't really get attached to anyone right kind of like game of thrones but instead of everyone dying it's more like terrible things just keep happening to this family and and some like the the good stuff too but it really does show you like a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and a lot of struggle so that's why i would say it's an emotional roller coaster not like any superhero movie yeah i have ever seen the thing that's a little bit difficult about Harley Quinn and the Joker is how do you make a cr- like an audience? I mean, you don't really have to because there are people who love them. But essentially, how do you like cheer for a relationship that sh- is so unhealthy? You know I what mean, I mean? People will. I know people will. <laughs> so, but like, should they? I mean, I I agree, but I, I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like that's less of a problem. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> then it just being two tonally different yeah. things. I, I feel like people will be like, oh, no, absolutely. This is absolutely Like, Harley normal. should go back to the yeah. Joker. Oh, yeah. They're great together. I mean, come on. Couple goals. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag couple goals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apple is basically banning sex and violence from its streaming service, just like it said it would. Not a great plan. I mean. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, you're really going to so. <laughs> limit your... Yeah, what? Yeah. I mean, Your it's audience. Of, it's a lot of movies. They said, I, I guess the subheading is because they want something that they'll be able to like stream in an Apple window. So they want it to be like as non-offensive as possible. But people kind of want sex and violence in their media. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of kids' <laughs> movies that obviously yeah. kind of are more adventures and don't really, I mean, even like kids' movies have some violence in it. But again, it's it's done differently so all in all i would say it just depends where that line is okay so that's about all the time we have today only two headlines to go through but what a quick episode very, eh? yeah i mean that's what happens when you have three movies to talk mm-hmm. about uh, as opposed to one so thank you everyone for tuning in to screening in kingston this has been episode two um, you've been listening on cfrc we will see you next week or uh, see you at the movie theater as well. So uh, we're signing off today, and uh, have a good week. Enjoy the movies.